The Titans host the Ravens. Tennessee prepares for Auburn and the Preds at a brawl. And maybe even a ball. I'm Moose Michaels, and this is the Press Box. The Baltimore Ravens and Tennessee Titans square off this Sunday inside the confines of Nissan Stadium, and I only have one question. What's going on with the Tennessee tight ends? Not a single catch from the position in the past two weeks, and by all appearances, they appear to be just glorified blockers at the moment. Matt LaFleur, the offensive coordinator, says he needs to do a better job of getting them involved. You think? Five games into the season, and the Titans have just seven catches combined from tight ends Luke Stocker and Johnny Smith. I know all the talking heads were talking about Mariota needing to throw the ball more, but you have to have a balanced offense. Last year against the Ravens, Mariota went 19 for 28 with 218 yards, but it's a different year, and the Ravens' defense is ranked third in the league, while the Titans' offense still leaves a bit to be desired. A week after blowing up the Eagles, the Titans were stifled by Buffalo. Perhaps one of the biggest surprises surrounding the Titans this year has been the defense's struggle against the run. After about five games, the Titans are ranked 26th in the NFL in rushing yards allowed, allowing 123.2 yards per game. Last week, the team missed 14 tackles. The Ravens, though, they haven't been great at running the ball either. They're ranked 20th, but running back Alex Collins has 217 yards on the ground, and Javorius Allen has contributed with 96 yards. Even quarterback Lamar Jackson has 72 yards. And the Titans don't want to let Baltimore get going. Flacco and the Ravens have had their own issues last week, too. In Cleveland, they were held out of the end zone in a 12-9 loss. But the Ravens have some threats, and Flacco has a really strong arm. Receivers Michael Crabtree, Willie Sneed, and John Brown will test Tennessee secondary, possibly deep. Titans cornerback Malcolm Butler, he's been guilty of letting some receivers get behind him, and the defense can't afford to let that happen Sunday afternoon. Mike Vrabel's take on the Ravens was this. Well, they're big, physical, long, and a defense veteran group. They have long corners, instinctive linebackers. They have a young guy that can run. Obviously, C.J. Mosley gets them lined up, and he's productive. Terrell Suggs continues to produce at a high level into his mid-30s. They have two big, stout guys with Michael Pierce and Brandon Williams inside. They have linked with Chris Wormley and Brent Urban. Matthew Judon has worked his way into being a very good outside linebacker in this league. And Zadarius Smith is a hybrid guy. When you have a veteran safety that can get guys lined up and disguise it, it makes it very difficult. They've batted 40 balls this year. They have 40 PBUs, which is about a season for some teams. They've drawn 15 holding calls as a defensive front. That means they're active and they're getting off blocks. The Titans kick off against the Ravens Sunday afternoon at 3.35 p.m. Staying on the topic of football, let's switch our focus to the Vols and Auburn who kick off later today. You have to figure the Auburn Tigers are one angry team. Perhaps nobody in the country is more amped to get back on the field and forget about that ugly loss in Mississippi State. Actually, they are ready to forget most of the first half of the season. That top 10 win over Washington looks long in the rearview mirror now. Tennessee coming off a bye week, having 13 days to prepare for this showdown. The last time we saw the volunteers, they were getting handled by Georgia fairly easily. The biggest problem was the rash of mistakes this team made, including missing assignments, poor tackling, and getting flagged three times for illegal formation on punting plays. How does that happen? The Volunteers have lost 11 straight conference games, and the prospects of getting that streak broken aren't great, 
especially with Auburn and Alabama back-to-back. Unless the light switch goes off for them against the Tigers, this could be a rugged few weeks for the poor volunteers. Mississippi State proved, though, that it wasn't so tough to shut down the Auburn offense, particularly the run game. And the good side about that is the Volunteers have an all-junior and senior-laden front seven. They may not have the talent of the Bulldogs, but with the Auburn offensive line as beat up as it's been, an experienced defensive front like the ones the Volunteers have can certainly cause some problems and keep them in the game. It's hard to believe that the Tigers have now gone three straight games with under 100 rushing yards, and that's against defenses like Arkansas and Southern Miss. The big key is how diverse the volunteer offense can become. If they've concentrated on an offensive makeover for this week's game, one that disperses the ball around to their difference makers and can keep Garantano upright, the volunteers have a shot at making this a four-quarter game. Coming back down I-40 now to Nashville, the Predators have opened the season 3-1-0 after beating the Winnipeg Gents three goals to none. But the score only tells a part of the story. Matthias Halcom and Colton Sissons provided an unexpected and literal one-two punch for the Predators on Thursday. Ryan Hartman, Roman Josie, and Ryan Johansson gave the home team a one-two-three punch by each scoring a goal during the team's 3-0 victory against the Gents at Bridgestone Arena. Alcombe and Sissons used their fist during the second period when they emerged from a scrum and simultaneously fought Patrick Lane and Nikolaj Ellers. Hartman, Josie, and Johansson used their stinks to give goalie Pecorine more than enough insurance during his 52nd career shutout in the first meeting between the Central Division foes since the Gents won their second-round playoff series in seven games. The fight was the first in Elcombe's career, which began in 2011 and 12. The 6'4", 215-pounder doesn't fancy himself a brawler. Roman Josie said Alcombe usually resides on the outskirts of such mix-ups. Predators forward Austin Watson's suspension for domestic abuse was reduced from 27 games to 18. The NHL and its Players Association announced that on Thursday, leaving some to wonder how that could happen. So when a player is suspended, it's pretty much standard operating procedure that the NHL Players Association files an appeal on a player's behalf. Such was the case with Watson after his initial suspension. Sus- such was the case with Watson after his initial suspension was announced. Independent arbiter Shyam Das, not the NHL, took nine games off the original 27-game suspension handed down by League Commissioner Gary Bettman. Das was fired by Major League Baseball in 2012, just months after he overturned Ryan Braun's 50-game suspension for performance-enhancing drug use. He has worked as an arbiter with the NFL and ruled in the league's favor in the notable 2012 Saints bounty case when he upheld the league's suspension of four players accused of paying out bounties for injuring opposing players. Up next for the Preds, it's the Islanders tonight at 7. Major League Baseball is winding down its postseason with just four teams left standing. The Boston Red Sox look to advance to the World Series for the first time since 2013, but before they can do that... They have to contend with the defending World Series champs, the Houston Astros. Both teams won more than 100 games, and both teams are loaded to the max. The Red Sox have the likely AL MVP in the form of Mookie Betts and the likely runner-up in J.D. Martinez, but the Astros are bringing back the core group that won it all last year, including ace Justin Verlander, who found new life with the Astros after being traded there from the Tigers last season. In the National League, the Dodgers are hoping for a return trip to the World Series, but the Brewers are as hot a team as there is in the postseason right now with their own likely MVP, Christian Yellick. 
Both league championship series are underway this weekend. In other news, the St. Louis Cardinals signed veteran pitcher and longtime Cardinal Adam Wainwright to a one-year deal to keep him in St. Louis for a 15th season. Otherwise, he would have been a free agent five days after the end of the World Series. Other notable free agents in this year's class include Dodgers shortstop Manny Machado and Nationals right fielder Bryce Harper, both of whom could command upwards of $40 million a year on average. This has been the Press Box. I'm Moose Michaels. You can catch this episode and all past episodes in our podcast center at rock937online.com.